Now for a show by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but who both found a calling running solo businesses. This is the Unfederated Podcast. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Hey, bro. Um, why did the SEO expert cross the road? <laughs> why? To get hit with traffic. Wow. <laughs> I don't really get that one. I just Googled SEO jokes for cold <laughs> open. So, <laughs> Yikes. You found one. Thank you. I did. <laughs> Thank you, Internet, for helping yeah. us with that. It was actually number three. So if you believe that, I passed up two other ones. <laughs> <laughs> you just ran out of time and went with it. Yeah. <laughs> you should have read the first and second one. They're pretty terrible. <laughs> uh-huh. Those uh, SEO guys are a bunch of jokes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, they're just, um, a lot of stand-up overlap with search engine optimization, <laughs> stand-up routines, a lot of that. Uh, also, just, like, comic strip coloring, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, so, how's your week been? Man, it's been pretty okay. Mm, uh, pretty okay yeah 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 all right i'll take it <laughs> yep we're uh we're building a house as you well know and so we've uh we've gotten to the stage where it's changing a lot rapidly and we go up there every single day <laughs> um so it's been a little bit of an impediment to uh productivity um but i happen to be in this season right now where i have a whole bunch of work that's uh under contract and i'm just waiting for like emails to start pouring in like i'm like waiting for something from every single client on like five different fronts and i know one day the dam is going to break on all fronts and it's just going to pour in um but until then i'm just going to wait patiently and visit our house daily i like that a lot i'm we're we're uh renovating and um i've thought about you often i've been like man i didn't appreciate how how much like how arduous this is but also like we're renovating our bedroom so i'm like living in our airbnb <laughs> yeah that's quite displacing uh, i've never done bedroom but like kitchen i've done before and it's pretty it's pretty terrible like it's just like you know at some point you just get tired of eating out and not having like a sink oh i know we did when we did our kitchen we were trying the whole 30 diet where you like there's like nothing you can eat and there's definitely nothing you can eat from a restaurant and, and like we both just powered down one night and couldn't figure out what to do about eating until we were like starving to death and we just totally gave it. And I had like a salad from a restaurant and Walker ate like half a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Wide open. Yeah, it did not work. So that was what we had generously referred to as our whole eight. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be 30 days. We made it eight. <laughs> that's like just the amount of time for you to feel crappy and then give up. Yeah, <laughs> that's usually how my diet efforts have gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I opened with that because I had a bunch of SEO questions in the last episode and you appropriately were like, that's a different topic for a different time. <laughs> that's right. And here and, we are. Here we che are. Checks watch. <laughs> <laughs> it appears to be a different time. <laughs> so um, here we are. And the reason I was asking about it was because, and I've never had this issue before because I never cared. Um, but I always kind of came up when people searched for me. But our uh, new firm 
We had a, even though a lot we're with the same attorneys mostly and have most of the same clients and we're in the same office with the same phone numbers, we have a different website this year because of the exit of some partners. And so, um, as of January, new website and, um, still just really hard to find on the Google. Yeah. On the Googles. On the Googles. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell a funny story, but, um, at the agency I worked at previously, um, this, uh, one of our developers, uh, used to get these phone calls from this lady. This is a crazy, crazy old lady that was getting some sort of telemarketing calls, I guess, to her, to her phone. And for some reason was returning those calls to, to this, to my buddy. <laughs> and, and she would leave voicemails. I, I don't need no Googles. I don't need no Googles. And, and we just thought that was hilarious because we're a bunch of, you know, Google nerds. So we d- figured out a way to download the voicemail out of the phone and then cropped it and t- turned it into his ringtone. <laughs> so that when she called, it said, I don't need no Googles. And it's just, it was so good. So just That's fun. so extra. They, yeah. All of that work to make it into a ringtone. I like it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, well, so you and, and we'll, we'll keep this as much as we can relevant to anyone that's in these situations. But, I only um, care about me. Yes. <laughs> I need to put that well, out there. Everyone else. Go ahead, go ahead just, and skip to the next yeah. <laughs> Real, um, real specific to my situation. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like generally, I don't know how it works because it's just always worked. Yeah. Well, you touched on one thing that's like super high level and is, is kind of the, a mistake that people make a lot that uh, is super avoidable. So I'll, I'll point to it really fast. If you're changing domains, it's a huge deal. And in your case, you're like going from like one, you know, cohort to another. And, and so like there's more reasons involved in, the, in that than, um, you know, more factors at play than just like, oh, we're going to change our domain. You know, we finally got this cool domain. We're just going to change it. Um, oh, but when you do, that would be terrible. Okay. I see yeah. what you mean. Like if you're just yeah. like, sweet, <laughs> this one's better then you've lost all of your work. <laughs> yeah. You're essentially dropping an atom bomb on like whatever you have now and, and starting over. And so a lot of folks don't recognize that they, they think it just will magically happen again and it doesn't. Um, so if you are switching domains there, there's actually a responsible way to do it where you create a, like a series of redirects and, and like alert Google and say, okay, if someone goes to this page, like at this URL, like actually forward them over here. And and that's like a permanent redirect, you know, like from henceforth, you know, like this is where they need to go. And, uh, eventually like you'll be able to siphon as much of the value of your old URL to your new URL and, and do that transition like responsibly, but, um, not the case in your situation. You, you guys are kind of starting a new thing and with that came a new, uh, domain and new challenges. So, um, yeah. So where should we jump in? Well, um, that's really good intel. So if you're thinking about <laughs> just changing domains for the heck of it, um, don't do that uh, unless you do it really cleverly. I know people that went out and paid like just buckets of money for some fancy new domain and then like changed and just nuked all of their uh, SEO value and, and you know, which ended up costing them even more money than what they paid for the for the domain. So. Yeah, no, 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 bueno. Okay, so that's a that's a rookie move, apparently. Um, what like how does SEO happen? How do you start getting prioritized over? Um, to use your example from the last episode, like bag or from Canada or whatever's on the page at past the fourth page of results. 
Yeah. Um, I'll start with a disclaimer that I'm super, super knowledgeable about Google AdWords. I am, I am like, if that's a 10, I'm like a six or seven on SEO. So I'm, I'm not going to say anything that I don't feel confidently about, but, um, but I won't be able to speak to as much detail as this. Um, but I think it, like, I think that's fine for this audience and this, you know, like, um, the differences in those two things is, is something that's going to be like over your head, right? Um, you don't need to know the differences. Um, so how does it work? Um, I'll, I'll go back with kind of like a history of the web that kind of sets like the, the trajectory that SEO is on, which I think is important. I like that because it's also a history of our childhood <laughs> from Mavis Beacon's typing that we, we did in the summers to Encarta CDs that we had. Yeah. To the AOL disc that came in the mail to uh, Napster and uh, Kazaa, you know, um, yeah. So at some point in time in the early days of the web, you had a website and people came to it cause it was cool. Cause not everyone had a website and that mattered. And if they wanted to go to a website, they went to yours, you know, and, um, that was, that was fancy and novel, whatever. Great. Um, then at some point, like everyone had a website, so that kind of quit working. So, um, the early search engines, um, uh, used, uh, a, a particular tag that's in the code of your website that, um, holds keywords. And, and so like you would put a bunch of keywords in, in this tag and in the code of your site, and then you would like put keywords all over your site, you know, and, um, those keywords would kind of artificially lead the search engines to send traffic your way. And then like all of your competitors would do the same thing and then they'd quit working. And so like then at some point in time, it became about, uh, it was all about inbound links. Like the more, the more, uh, you know, other sites linked to you, the, the more that was like a sign that your site was good and important. So like you would, you would have favor among the search engine gods until like all of your competitors did the same thing. And then at some point it became all about like relevant content, air quotes, relevant content. And so people would put like pay, you know, all this content on their site and it would work and then it wouldn't, you know, for all the same reasons. So it's like this history of like 15 foot wall, 16 foot ladder, you know, 17 foot wall, 18 foot ladder. And, and that's kind of like has led us up to, um, current day in which, uh, a lot of the old tactics are, have kind of been normalized and, and don't work anymore. And there really is, um, kind of two ways to proceed. You can do things like the, like take every advantage we can to get like a little bit of success for a minute until it gets snuffed out. Or like we can kind of do things, the, white hat way the like the proper Google best practice way, which might not generate like as quick or, um, as bolsterous results, but would be a situation that like more than likely you're not going to like wake up tomorrow and like all of a sudden your whole thing's not going to work anymore, you know? So, um, it, all of those things I mentioned a second ago, largely still hold some relevance of truth. Like the content on your website, the links to your website, the, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff still are, are factors among many factors that the Google weighs when determining like, uh, how good your site is and subsequently where it ranks in, in the results. So, um, and, and it's probably worth saying too, and this is kind of a, a good disclaimer, like if you rank first for something, 
like that's, you know, you hear that term a lot. Like, um, I'll guarantee, you know, I'll get you to rank first on something like Google is so sophisticated now that individual results, um, are different. You know, like if I'm logged into my Gmail account and my Chrome browser and like, so Google knows so much information about me that like my search results are probably going to look different than your search results are going to look different than your coworkers search, you know, search results. And you guys, my, your, your largely your web traffic is probably going to look really similar, you know? Yeah. Um, does going like to your incognito browser or whatever, does that give you just like totally cart? Like you're just invisible. You're just anonymous and that'll show you more objective perspective or, yeah. So that's, that's thought to be a way to, to, uh, do a search that is as least biased as possible with, with data that exists. Um, so, you know, if there were like a true, like, Oh, this is first, uh, you know, you could do that. But then again, if you're searching for something in Denver and I'm here in Chattanooga, we may still get different results, even in cognito tabs, because Google's going to know the IP address we're coming from. And depending on the nature of our search, if it's some, you know, something that's geographically relevant, we'll probably get, um, you know, different results. So, so it's, it's hard, you know, the notion that you could just, you know, be number one is, is kind of, um, uh, kind of an interesting notion now it's it, it's not what it used to be okay that's interesting i wondered that about the incognito like how how anonymous it really was but there's still like general ip address concepts in there unless you're a, a weirdo like you <laughs> has an ip address from somewhere else <laughs> sorry to out you and your security measures um okay so that's the general playing field and you probably recommend taking a more measured approach to um uh seo to build it up more organically rather than um coming up with like some kind of trick that's working for a minute that um google will just figure out a way to compensate for yeah. Yeah. The long and short of that is like Google has the team of the smartest people who get to make up their own rules and are constantly like working day and night around the clock around the globe to make the system as good as possible. And so like if you can find cracks in it, they're they're almost, you know, surely not going to last for very long. Um, so there's there's kind of a good indication of um, of of the value of playing by the rules, you know. Got it. So I had not appreciated how hard it is to get like visibility on that. Honestly, for some reason, my when I went out on my own, my website came up really easily. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> but, but now that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Yeah. So, you know, what kind of things make it better or worse? Yeah. So you've got a couple of, uh, at a high level, a couple of uh, assets at your disposal. Um, most, I'll start with the nerdiest, um, most CMSs, uh, which is content management system like WordPress or Squarespace. Um, they're going to do something on your behalf and that it like, uh, that is to generate, um, what's called a site map. So this is kind of like the, uh, cliff notes of your site that is structured in such a way that a computer can read it well. And so they'll generate a sitemap, which has like a URL. So it's like usually your domain forward slash sitemap.xml. Uh, you know, XML is the, the, yeah, the, the format it's in so that it can be read. And, and so, um, 
kind of a, a basic thing is you want to make sure that that sitemap has been submitted to Google. They will normally find it over time, but like it's better if you can take it and give it to them. And then like the product process of doing that allows you to set up an account that then, then allows Google to like reach out to you if, if there's something wrong with your site. And so it kind of opens that to a communication, which is really nice. Um, there's, uh, Google calls it the search console used to be called webmaster tools is, is their, uh, web-based asset where you go, you create an account, you, um, verify the, the site is one that you own, you know, that you, you own the domain and then you'd submit the sitemap to them so that they have access to it. Um, if it's a really big site, uh, as you start to get into like settings of like, uh, prioritizing which parts of the site you want Google to look at more frequently or, or more closely. Um, so if you think about it, uh, Google has these robots that crawl the internet and follow every link and try to capture as much data as possible by constantly going and reading uh, on the web. And so like when they get to your site, you want to kind of provide them, you know, they're going to you know spend a set amount of time on each site. And so you want to provide them with like what it needs, what the uh, Google bot needs to, to do that as efficiently as, as possible. Um, and so, you know, it's not like a one-time crawl and they never come back, but you, you providing that map allows them to kind of do that, uh, um, efficiently and effectively. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like TSA pre-check, like you electively give your information to Google so that they can process you more quickly. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, that's a, a good analogy. And it's it's something that you can kind of get set up on. And if you don't, it'll it'll still work. But like if if you're caring about this sort of thing, then that's a that's a good first step. Yep. Um and I, I would say before you do that, because you're you're now submitting your site to Google, you want to make sure the site is like in a good place. You know, like you don't want to submit the crappy version. You'd rather get the site kind of in a good place and then submit the one that you're proud of. Um, and so a couple of the things that exist there on a technical level is, um, the metadata. And a lot of times like we'll use Squarespace as an example, cause I know it's really popular among freelancers. There's actually like a setting for each page in Squarespace where you can go in and you can edit like the, the title and the description of the page. And those are two metadata tags. Um, as part of the HTML of the site that Google will look at and use um, to generate your uh, the description of where your page shows in search results. So, you know, you usually see the when you see a page in search results, it usually has the link and it usually has a description below that. It's not a guarantee Google is going to take verbatim what you give them and put it there, but a lot of times they do. Um, or at least in some part it'll be there. So you'd at least want to submit to them kind of like the thing you're most proud of so that, um, they have the opportunity to use it if they want to. Yeah. So you, you know, good metadata describes the page. It usually like in the description, sometimes the title it's, it's provocative. Like you want to click on it, you know, like if I'm searching for a particular term, like show me some metadata that kind of you know, explains to me that if I visit the page, I'm going to find the solution to my problem. Um, and that's, that's usually kind of how you want to massage that from a call to action standpoint. And then from kind of a, a technical standpoint, you also want as much as is relevant 
to include the kind of terms that someone would be searching for to generate your page to show. So you don't want it to just be like pump full of keyword spam, you know, like where it doesn't make any sense. But like if you can write something that's persuasive and includes your terms in it, great. And and usually that kind of happens organically, right? You don't you don't have to you know bend over backwards um, to do that. But you know if you're a local graphic designer, you'd probably want to make sure that the city name is in there and that graphic design is in there. And, you know, um, sometimes I, I see folks become so, uh, obtuse, you know, they, they have like some really, uh, clever way of saying what they do that, that, uh, doesn't include any of the terms that anyone would ever search for. And, and so stuff like that can be problematic when you're, you're kind of too fancy for your own good. I have trouble with that. I was writing a blog post for um, for E two v- uh, visa, so that's like a when a person who's not a U.S. citizen wants to buy a business and then use that as a basis for applying for a visa to get to the U.S. Um, but reading it in a way where Google Translate could translate it into different. <laughs> You know, because presumably the primary language might not be English and trying to take out all the idioms and stuff. I was like, oh, I say things in the dumbest way possible. (laughs) (laughs) At the end, it was like E2 visa good. (laughs) 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 Lawyer help. (laughs) It was was really hard. Yeah. uh, I found that with the the folks that a lot of the folks that are working on our home, uh, English is not their native language. And so we come to visit and they're like asking us questions about stuff. And it makes me realize how much in particular that industry, there's a lot of slang and, uh, you know, um, and you just feel like, I mean, even if we're both speaking English, sometimes it feels like we're speaking two different languages. Uh, and in this case, we're not often both speaking English. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe getting a, a second person to look things over who's not in your industry is probably a good idea. Yeah, super helpful and, and kind of being more grounded and, and honest about what people actually search for to find you, you know, uh, is, is a good um, way to approach that. And Google does offer a keyword tool that you can get in and mess around with. Um, there's also Google Trends, which um, is another source of data to just see like, okay, do people actually search for these terms? You know, sometimes people... Um, or too creative for their own good and that they think people are searching for things they're not searching for. Um, and, or, or they might find that like one version of what they could search for gets tons more traffic than another version. And so, you know, at some point you kind of have to look at the results in, in each, you know, instance and see which one offers the, the best opportunity for you to show up. So anybody can access Google trends to just kind of like, uh, see what people search. Yep. Yep. And it gives you kind of like uh, search volume over time. And um, so the keyword planner actually gives you like on a monthly breakdown, Google Trends is more like a, an annual breakdown, but it still gives you like a good sense of traffic volume. And uh, and while you're playing on it, look up some stuff like the Macarena or Beanie Babies or any other crazy fads because it's just bonkers how much they spike and then just go to nothing. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> All right. Um, that's a really good resource that I think like regular folks don't know about, even though it's, it's so um, germane to your business. So figuring that stuff out can definitely get you to have a more organically appealing website. Yep. Then I think that the next step that you really want to take is, is trying to assess 
and, and this is probably the most obvious, but probably the most overlooked, like the actual content on your site, like the, the human readable, like language that's on your site and whether it's uh, beneficial or not. And one of the hard realities I think that we come to in this space is that like no one's going to spend a lot of time linking to a page that just talks about how great you are. You know, uh, that's usually what you want your website to say. Um, but at some point there becomes value into adding other valuable resources to the site that people might want to link to. And that's kind of where that, um, relevant content, you know, in the air quotes I mentioned before, you know, if you can provide a guide to your industry that talks about all the things you need to know and how to make an informed decision, uh, if you can, you know, offer research in a concise and valuable way that people might, um, you know, begin to look at you as an expert and use your site as a resource. Um, there, you know, there's all kinds of kind of, uh, you know, creative, I guess, um, ways that you can put super great content on your site that explains stuff that isn't just like beating the drum of how great you are the whole way. Um, usually like a good call to action and the sidebar, or the footer that's like, if I can, you know, answer more questions, contact me, whatever it is like, is plenty, you know, like, um, get them to the site, offer them something of value, let, you know, build trust in that way. And then, you know, usually the conversions will, will, you know, more or less take care of themselves if you're doing the other part really well. Okay. That's interesting. That seems like a lot of, a a lot of my impression of what you do is like, (laughs) is more gimmicky. I mean, not like, not specifically you, because I know what you do, but like digital marketing, I think a lot of non uh, digital marketing people are like, oh, they, they get push buttons on the internet. Um, but you know, so much of your advice in uh, different areas is like, create good content, you know, and, and be a good service provider. <laughs> and, um, generally, you know, genuinely have a website that people want to read. Um, which is not a thing that's talked about, right? People talk about SEO and Google AdWords and um, driving traffic and conversion rate and stuff. But I don't feel like I hear regular folks talk about like making a more meaningful website that provides more value for people. Yeah, it's not sexy at all, right? And and like honestly, most of the people I talk to in particular about SEO for whatever reason, which again is the organic part of, of the listings. It's not the paid part that we talked about last week. Um, it, it's people just have this attitude of like, what do I need to do to be number one? Well, like, yeah, you and everybody else, man, you know, like, like everyone wants to be number one. Like that's, there's nothing that like, you know, Stan from Chattanooga is going to do. That's going to be like that dramatically different, um, to, you know, impress, impress the Googles to be number one nationwide. And like, you know, traffic will rain on him and he will be lifted into the sky. Um, (laughs) So like Google works, right? They, they've been trying to fix this issue to keep people from gaming the system. And it kind of, the takeaway is like, it's working now. You have to provide good content if you want people to get it. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, like the, the thing is now the, the slog, you know, it's the long, hard approach to creating valuable stuff that people want. And, and, you know, uh, the shortcut is the long game, right? It's, it's, uh, doing the work that makes it valuable. And so, you know, can you, you know, uh, go in and tweak some code on your site and all of a sudden show up number one? I mean, you know, and it's at any point in the history of this topic, it was a lot easier before. 
and it's a lot harder in the future, you know, like, and so whatever the next trend is of how people are going to game the system, like it's only a matter of time until Google figures out how to uh, eliminate that also, or, or level the playing field again. Um, I mean, there are certain people that have more clout in the Google space and that's either because of the value of, of the content they provide or the, the size of their SEO team that's, you know, out there generating all this content and doing all these best practice things to make sure that their site is as buttoned up as possible. Um, sure. You know, that's, that exists. Um, uh, but you know, a lot of what's challenging is, is just kind of the, the long haul. So that, in a way, that's a little bit tricky to compete with the big shops because they've got people who are just designated to that stuff and can um, just generate content and useful content all day long. Whereas if you're a solo or a freelancer, you're um, you're having to wear all those hats, which is a lot harder. Yeah. Um, I find myself, yeah, I mean, what you're saying is exactly right for, for me, what, what I've actually found being solo is that like, I can make use of my downtime to do content creation. And it's actually like uh, a great use of my time. It's a day where I'm not like feeling antsy waiting for people to get back to me. Like I actually feel like I've produced something, done something of value. And like, I don't really have like 15 people that have to like approve it or like agree with the stance I'm taking or the tone I'm using. Yeah, you know, like that's I, true. I can, I can publish stuff out in the world pretty efficiently for better, or for worse. You know, it's probably filled with typos cause I'm terrible about grammar and stuff, but, um, but like there's an opportunity to have an opinion, Rob's opinion that doesn't have to be the, like the collective opinion of a group of 15 people, um, and put it out there that, that offers me kind of an interesting opportunity to, um, I wrote it like a, a post, uh, I actually put it on medium a long time ago. Um, that was a really critical post about, uh, this particular program that Google ads has and like these, uh, reps that they assign you and this whole thing. And like, it's, I get so much traffic from it and it's just like an opinion piece about like, um, some research I did into this particular program and, and like my experience with it. And it's just something that like most agencies are not going to put that out there. Right. Like if you're a Google partner, you're probably not publishing that, you know, it's probably not getting, getting out the door, but then I, I did. And so it gets, it gets traction, you know? Um, so I don't know, you can start to look at different ways of, of bringing that traffic home. So take advantage of the things that you can do. Like we can comment more quickly on topical events and um, take more stronger opinions and stronger approaches um, than the big shops can do, which can be more valuable than the watered down uh, opinion of a committee. Yeah. You know, your, your press release is always going to be like the the most, you know, sno- the biggest news fest of, of, you know, some big corporation. Um, I, th- I think a- another topic that a uh, mini topic here that's worth discussing is, is where, you know, when we are talking about SEO, we're talking about creating this content and ideally putting it on your website, right? Um, there's this eternal battle that ex- exists in online content world where you can, and I, I just referenced medium a second ago, I can go write this post that I'm really proud of and I can put it on my site and like, you know, uh, I get, I get Rob levels of traffic to my site. I mean, you know, like it's not going to blow anybody's like, uh, mind. And, and so it'll be exposed to like Rob levels of traffic, or I can go put it somewhere like medium 
where it potentially can get a whole lot more traffic of people that don't know me and don't care anything about knowing me, you know, and it'll get more eyeballs. Um, but it also, when it's on medium.com provides me like virtually zero SEO value. Um, it gives me notoriety and, and exposure, but like, it's not organic value that's going to make my site perform better. And, and so there's kind of a strategy to when you're writing content, figuring out where you want to put it and, and maybe you release it to your site first. And then after it's been out for a minute, you know, you can go put it, um, on somewhere like medium or on social and, and like a, uh, you know, uh, LinkedIn allows you to write long form posts on LinkedIn. Like, so you could like use that text, not just share it, but use that text over and over to, to do like what feels like native posts on all these different networks. Um, but like we talked about last week, you know, at some point you're sharecropping, right? Like you're using their asset and you're putting your stuff there and they're the ones getting all the page views and the, you know, traffic. And so you just have to position that in such a way that says like, uh, you know, where should I put this? And like, how do I kind of maximize? It is a lot of work to create that content, you know? So like, I want to maximize the value I get out of it. Um, and so usually thinking about posting at multiple places, um, and, and some sort of strategy behind that is a value. Okay. That makes sense. I hadn't thought about the literal meaning of sharecropping in a long time. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, what was that again? Like, all right, somebody else's land and you're farming it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. a good, yeah. um, that's cool. Yeah. You know, d- down here in the South, yeah. we just know these kind of yeah, It just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But but like you can see where that's what's happening like in a social world, right? Like, you know, you go write a great blog post and put it on Medium. Like it's, you know, that's where it is. And if Medium dies someday, which it probably will because they don't seem to really have much of a future, um, like what happens? You know, like at, hopefully you've got that content somewhere else before they like close the lights off, you know, but like more than that, like is it somewhere of value? You know, like can you post it to your side or can you do something else with it? Um, long ago or the days of like posting it on your blog and then going sharing a link 15,000 places. Um, just most of the, uh, social networks like Facebook really are going to discourage people le- from leaving Facebook. Like they, like, so the chance your post shows up with a link that's taking everyone away off the site, you know, like Facebook's going to try to shuffle you in the corner. So, so how um, do you do that? Cause like, it, you know, on one hand, you want to add fresh content to your website to make it valuable and build its SEO, but if nobody ever sees it. Does it really help much? Like. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the kind of the eternal question in this conversation. And it's, it's not an easy one to solve. Um, the strategy I use often is I will put something on a blog, um, and I will take, um, take links to that and, and I'll kind of read through the post and like, usually I've got stuff I pulled out or usually I've got stuff that I'm like particularly proud of and I'll take little snippets of it and create these like micro posts you know, that's like that raises a question without really addressing the answer or that teases the post in a way that's unique. And I'll share those little micro posts with the link to the blog so that like you could actually get value out of just reading the micro post and and not leaving to come to my site. Um, And but like people are interacting, there's engagement with the post, you know, there's people responding to the comments, you're kind of encouraging that kind of thing. Um, And then if people want to 
you know, click over to the site. They can, but they're more much more likely to do that with that kind of post than if it's just, you know, like your programmatic, like, hey, share to Facebook, and it just shows up as like the little link preview with, you know, whatever the first two sentences of the post are at the bottom uh, and no other context. You know, those kind of posts just don't get much um uh, visibility on, on sites like Facebook anymore. So you really kind of have to dress it up as m- as much as you can. Um, on sites like medium and LinkedIn, you can, you know, after you posted to your site for, you know, it's been there a week or two weeks or something, you can then take that text and just copy and paste it and like create like a long form article uh, that's native to those sites, you know, to those networks and, and repurpose the text and, and that, um, that regard. Sometimes you put in the footer like, Hey, this post originally showed on, you know, Rob's blog, you know, link to Rob's blog. Um, and, and so you can still for folks that find it and, and enjoy it, like they can still kind of get back to your site if you want them to, um, small percentage of people are going to follow that, but it's, it's certainly better than nothing. And if they're the people that read all the way to the end of your post, you know, they're, they're going to be the most likely of all. So, um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, it depends on what kind of content you're producing. You know, if you've got really long form articles, opinion pieces, what have you, like, you know, certainly if they're opinion pieces and they're based on kind of timely topics, then you don't want to wait two weeks to share them, you, you know? So like you just kind of have to consider what your shtick is, you know, and, and figure out the best way to, to maximize it. All right. That's a lot of good actionable information. I'm excited about this. Yep. And I'll mention too, there's a couple, um, there's a couple different tools that, that there's a thousand, a million tools that you could use to help with some of this. Um, but there's a couple that like help you to monitor like where you quote unquote rank, uh, using like surveying a couple different tools, you know, and kind of, kind of, co- uh, collating all that information together and kind of making the best guess. Um, so I'll include, uh, a link to some of those in the uh, show notes, but one that I'm using right now that I'm really enjoying is called SERP Fox. Um, S E R P SERP is an acronym for search engine results page. And so it's SERP Fox and, and it's one that is pr- really affordable. You can say like, Hey, these are the terms I want to show up for. Like, do I, and it, it kind of is always checking in the background to kind of show you where you rank for those terms. And and so for, you know, less than $10 a month or whatever, if you want to get serious about how you're approaching this, um, that's, that's kind of a, a tool like that is not a bad way to just kind of monitor whether you're seeing improvement or not. Oh, that's awesome. It's, it seems a lot less like vain and creepy than just like Googling yourself in an incognito window over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and crying yeah, at your keyboard. Yeah. Like who are these other Sarah Sharps and why are they so pretty? <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't my parents name me something super original yeah. so that I could show up? Why they have to go Sarah? Um, funny story though. The other girl who comes up when you search me is who's also a lawyer named Sarah Sharp. Um, I reached out to her as one does and was like, "Hey, <laughs> twin." <laughs> you know, um, I was mentioning that to this guy who was living with us last year, and the guy was like, "Oh yeah, I used to date her." <laughs> Or like maybe they just went to high school together. I don't want to say on the record that they dated, but like they knew each other. They legitimately did. <laughs> Such a small world. Yeah, that's funny. There's a there's a Robert Bettis um doctor somewhere, Texas maybe, that I'll occasionally run into. 
Um, and there's some products some like industrial manufacturing equipment that has the, the name Bettis, like that's like the line of equipment. And so they own Bettis.com. And like, I've, I've been so angry about that for so long. Cause like, I mean, what are the chances? Like I've got a pretty obscure, you know, last name and, um, I certainly have every other iteration of my, you know, of every other domain I could possibly think of, but that one they have like registered through like. 2045 or something. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll be dead before it'll ever be available. But yeah, and, uh, they will have been so long ago too, by then whatever line of equipment will be like so antiquated. Um, that's funny. That's really funny. Well, it's good to know who else is in your space. I'd like to take a picture with the other Sarah Sharp lawyer and then post that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and tag them both yeah. on, on Google Image yeah, Search. Yeah, that's my goal <laughs> is like to make that happen. Uh, yeah, so. that's that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, thanks for all the intel and letting me pick your brain. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Hopefully it's helpful, and, and, and I wish I had a get-rich-quick get scheme for everyone, but unfortunately I think this is the way to go. Nah, I think it makes sense. Be a good human being, et cetera. Um, a lot of good human beings have stickers. <laughs> Yes, they do. This is just going to be my effort every week to make the worst segue that I can possibly make into the sticker thing. I would have gone with something about good human beings could help us by writing interviews. No, that's way too direct. (laughs) But but in doing so, if you want to let us know you have, uh, we'll send you an unfederated sticker. Uh, that our good friend uh, Chris Hinter designed for us. Um, he's a creative director and graphic designer here in town and has been uh, super helpful in the unfederated community. So shout out to him and, and uh, you know, get you a sticker. A hand-addressed envelope with postage on it <laughs> and a sticker inside. By moi. <laughs> or me, maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, so review us and let us know you uh, send us or give us a review because we don't check them <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> Speaking of vain, yeah, we're not googling ourselves all the time looking at reviews, <laughs> just waiting for that next one to drop. Um, That's right. All right, thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. You can find show notes from this episode at unfederated.studio. And if this podcast has helped you in your journey, Say thanks by rating and reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts.